0: Hello there, I'm Heidi Higgins, and you are listening to K-12 on Learning. It's not every day I get to visit with renowned photographer Jeff Morrison. His images have appeared in hundreds of publications, including over a dozen National Geographic books, several National Geographic Traveler magazine articles, including the UK and Korea, several Lonely Planet guidelines, BBC travel, Washingtonian Magazine, Virginia Tourism, and numerous other publications. Jeff has joined us because he is one of the judges for the Stride National Photography Contest, which is open now. The contest is open to any student, any age, from any school in the United States. This year, there's no theme, simply the invitation to capture the beauty, the challenge, the people, or anything that appeals to your eye. Even though we're using our voices to discuss your skills today, Jeff, I would like our audience to open their minds and envision your amazing photographic work. I will be including your website so listeners can see some of the masterpieces you have created in our show notes today. We invited you here because you will be one of the judges in the Stride National Photography Competition that's open right now. Also, you have a profession that many of us dream of as we pull out our phones out of our pockets and try to capture moments in our lives. We're all picture takers, but only few of us become photographers. And as it is a great art, you're at the top of that skill level. Your work for National Geographic brings beauty and reality of the world to us. So, Jeff, will you share a little of your background and tell us when it was that you first became interested in photography?
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me, Heidi. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to be back. I think this is the third year I've been part of the uh, contest in, in terms of judging it. So it's always wonderful to see all the great submissions we get. With regards to photography, I'm a, I've been a professional photographer now for 17 years, which is hard to believe that it's, it's been that long. And I still find that even though I've been in, in business of photography for 17 years, I still learn. I learn constantly every year, and I'm constantly trying to make my images, my storytelling better. So with regards to when I actually got started or interested in photography, it was when I was a kid, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I had those old Kodak cameras that were, you know, you get it, you know, Kmart, and I'd have antique cameras that I used to just kind of hold, you know, there were cameras that were passed down through the family. So they weren't usable, but, you know, I just liked holding them and looking through them. What drew me to photography, I think, is initially I liked capturing images that captured the moment, could have been a family occasion or hanging out with my friends when I was little. And I, I liked the idea of being able to go back in an image. And when looking at the image, you're able to be transported almost magically back to that moment in time, whereas my memory wouldn't, you know, I, would, I probably would have forgotten that day if I hadn't taken an image of it. And so eventually, you know, that led me into the interest of outdoors and taking photographs of nature, wildlife, beautiful landscapes. And thankfully, I was able to turn it into a a profession where I get paid to do it. I mean, that's the, I think the goal of anyone really is to, you know, if you get paid to do something you love is, you know, they say you don't work a day in your life, but that's not true. But uh, I think I work harder more for, for myself than if I was to work for somebody else. It's my name, it's my reputation on the line. So I'm always trying to to be the best that I can, no matter what I'm shooting or, or or photographing.
0: I love this beginning of yours where you had the Kodak cameras and the old ones that that were handed down. It has always been a great art. And some of those cameras are collectible today. Do you still have some?
1: Yeah, I have some antique cameras and I have my original camera that this is a this is just a Canon T50. And it was the first camera I ever Paid for with my own money, I bought it on something called the paper shop, which was like a class on, you know, paper classified kids probably don't know what those are, but it's, it's, it was almost like a Craigslist, if you will, for, for the old days. And you could a- actually adjust the aperture, which none of the Kodak cameras, it was just kind of, you pointed at what you wanted to photograph and you press the button. This one at least allowed you to to change the aperture. And so I'm thankful that I still have, have this camera. Currently, you
0: get to travel the world with your work. What is an experience you can share where your job was overwhelmingly amazing?
1: As far as amazing, it, it's amazing quite regularly. I, I teach photography for National Geographic expeditions. They send me all over the world. One of my favorite places to travel to and that I've been fortunate to travel to on multiple occasions is Antarctica. It is absolutely spectacular. And we go down there in their summer, which is our winter, the wildlife, the landscapes the light is just very beautiful and very otherworldly there are many places you can travel around the world and it will remind you of somewhere else you've been when you go to antarctica it doesn't remind you of anywhere else it is its own unique special place and so the ability to go down there and see these incredible icebergs that these tabular icebergs that are just massive and they're sculpted by the wind and the waves of the ocean and they look like art forms. We sail past them and sometimes you catch it and the light is just perfect. I had this image, the moon was setting and it's setting right over the iceberg as we're sailing past it. And it was just at two in the morning, believe it or not, because it doesn't get dark when we were down there. And the light was just spectacular. it's one of those moments that will sit with me for the rest of my days, I'm sure.
0: That sounds beautiful and breathtaking. It must be fun to go back and discover. Do you look immediately what you've taken to kind of see if it's spectacular, as you might suppose?
1: Yeah, not always immediately. But, you know, I I tend to to go back through and I'll immediately go through and I'll find the the best images. And then I'll also find the the worst images and get rid of the worst images. And uh, I think the ability to go and review your work is great digitally versus, you know, we talked about using the old film cameras. I like looking for the mistakes to figure out how to avoid them in the future. So I think that's an important process for any amateur or professional photographers to review and see what you did right and what you did wrong too.
0: So you're looking with a critical eye. Is that the first thing you teach young photographers or what's the very first thing?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, critical critical thinking at your own work is definitely important. And I think a lot of times I find the age doesn't really matter so much because there are young photographers who are old, right? Those that are interested in photography and getting into it later in their life. So it's important to get an honest review of your work and having portfolio reviews or asking somebody other than let's say your mom or your dad, because it's very easy for them to say, oh, you did a great job. That's a great, you know, those are great images. Um, It's more important to get the feedback and to to find out, I really think this is a good image, but is it a good image? It's it's important to get somebody who has a a critical eye that can look at that and, and help you hone your skill and figure out how to take your images from good to great. Because it's very easy to make a good image nowadays. It's very hard to make a great image.
0: I like that statement. Is equipment going to be key still in photography or can anyone now with some of the modern technology take photographs?
1: So equipment definitely does matter. obviously at the end of the day it's the same thing if you talk about guitars right like you, you're if I give you a good guitar or a great guitar if you don't know how to play the guitar it's not going to matter. you're not going to perform and produce a rock ballad or a masterpiece on that guitar. The the, photo- the camera is the same way. It really, it comes down to first being a person who can think compositionally and then to think also scientifically or more methodically about how to get the aperture and the shutter speed and the ISO and all those kind of pieces right. And then it it's combining the art and the science, I think, to produce the great image. Equipment is helpful when you are professional level and you need to push let's say you need to push your iso your film speed In the old days would be you need to push it to a very high high level because it's dark or something like that you need more light capability with your camera that would matter more if you have to deliver the image to the client and you didn't want to deal with a lot of digital noise which is what could happen if you're using a piece of equipment that is more amateur than professional, if that makes sense. So equipment can help you get sharper images and less noisy images, but compositionally, it's not going to help you have a better image. With regards to smartphone photography, they don't have the reach that professional and mirrorless cameras do. They don't have telephotos yet. They have, they're getting better and they're offering more choices beyond just wide angle and just like kind of a, a standard 50 millimeter view, let's say they have portrait mode, which is nice. They don't quite have the reach yet. If you're interested in using your telephoto lens or your zoom lens for compositions. So there are still limitations. They are very good, but I think there's the equipment still lends itself or the tips, the balance in favor of, of a mirrorless or a professional camera, a DSLR.
0: Thank you. That's very good to know. Sure. Most of us have those, th- that new technology in our pockets. And if you're talking to parents and teenagers who are interested in competing or participating in, in our upcoming photography contest, tell me what tips you would share to help improve the outcome of an iPhone photographer.
1: That's a, that's a really good question. So first of all, you should think about creating something that is unique. You want to surprise the judges. You want to give us a wow. Wow. If you can surprise someone or make them wonder how did they produce that image that is something that'll sit with the judge and will help your image go to the next level let's say past the first round to the second round of of judging surprise us that's important and then think about is it technically so you have the surprising aspect which is a creative um, and a thoughtful thing that you've gone through when you capture the image and then is it technically sound is it And when I say technically, is it blurry or is it sharp? Is the color balance correct? You can adjust those things even on a smartphone. So whether you're shooting with a smartphone or your camera itself, these are things you can control yourself. Is that image sharp? That's important. And is it sharp? It might look really sharp on your smartphone, but it might not be sharp on a computer screen. And the judges are gonna look at the, on the computer screen where they can see the images bigger. So I would say, suggest that if you have an image that you took on your phone, you wanna submit it to the contest, first send it to yourself that where you, you know, email to yourself, let's say at full res, so you can review it on a computer screen, a larger computer screen, and make sure that it looks good, that it looks sharp, it look, the color balance is correct. That would be my suggestion.
0: Those are great tips. Let's talk about the kinds of jobs. We are, uh, many schools are career focused. What kinds of jobs are available in photography?
1: Photography is a hobby and a passion for a lot of people. And the transition from taking it from hobby and passion to a career can be challenging because a lot of people love to do it. So the fact that a lot of people want to do it, sometimes people will just either do it for free or they'll do it for very cheap. So you have to figure out a way to make yourself unique in what you offer. And you have to figure out how to be a business person. So one of the things I think I didn't realize is that if you're a photographer nowadays, you're a business person first, you're a photographer second, because if you can't figure out how to do the business side of it, you're not going to be in business as a photographer very long. Most of the jobs in the photography market nowadays are have to do with people, right? Photographing either people for portraits or photographing people at events or photographing people for photojournalism and news stories, the idea of somebody just photographing beautiful sunsets and beautiful forests and to be able to do that by itself and not do anything else is very, very rare. And it's something that very few people can just live off of. So if you want to be a working photographer, you have to get comfortable with photographing people. That would be a a suggestion that I would have.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Sounds like some of these jobs require some schooling and advanced education in that business. They establish their own business and and learn how to make money on such things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Burn. I read books, you know, um, entrepreneurial books. And and because you if you're a photographer nowadays, you have to wear a lot of different hats. You're the website guy, you're the marketer, you know, you're the guy that, that goes out and meets people and shakes hands and, and tries to get business. You know, there's a lot of different hats you wear as, a, as an entrepreneur, I'll say you're, if you're a photographer now as you're an entrepreneur, there are a few salaried photography jobs out there. Most of them are not great paying. There are a few that are great paying that are a higher level, but most of the salaried jobs are very uh, general and very basic and very low paying, unfortunately. My suggestion to anybody that is interested in in becoming a photographer is learn how learn the business side of it, too. You know,
0: how about some of the people that you get to take on these excursions? What is their reaction? You've talked about yours a little bit. What is their reaction to this beautiful landscape that they find themselves in?
1: Most of the trips we go to are to very remote destinations, kind of these once in a lifetime opportunities. And so seen people cry, you know, arriving at a location and just being just overwhelmed with the the sight or the the emotion of being there. You know, for a lot of people, you know, when we go down to Antarctica, a lot of people, that's their first time or their last continent. And it's, you know, and it's just such a dream to get there that I think it overwhelms them very often. Yeah, it's, it can be, it can be amazing to watch and experience it for the first time through someone else's eyes. So I always enjoy, we, you know a lot of times we'll do photo reviews and at the end of the trip and everyone shares their images and it's always wonderful to see what everyone captures because everyone has a different uh, take on their experience they they have a different eye and so it's always wonderful to to see what other people are capturing because as a photographer i think i'm constantly looking through what i think is worthy of taking a picture and You know sometimes i won't take the picture because just say i don't you know i don't need that picture i've been here before you know or i don't i've I've seen it in better light or whatever but just being overwhelmed sometimes just overwhelmed with emotion and excitement and just gratefulness of seeing some of these magical destinations you know like i i might have mentioned you know it can it can be so overwhelming that you know people will actually come to tears when they see something so beautiful as Antarctica, or or to see penguins in real life. You know, people a lot of people love penguins, and you step onto a beach, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by fifty thousand penguins. It's it can be overwhelming, you know, this this sight and and the smell actually. So. <laughs> um, that's funny
0: i like it. <laughs> i suppose it's a humbling situation to be in are they immediately clicking to take photographs are they thinking what is their first reaction it
1: depends everyone is different some people need to sit and experience it first and some people need to they're just at the. you know they feel like they immediately need to start taking photographs and i remember the first time we went to a, an island called south georgia which is a sub sub antarctic island And it is uh, home to millions of king penguins, which are about three feet tall. And you go onto some of the beaches and they have 500,000 king penguins that are three feet tall. And I just remember being, it's one of the places that I just was so overwhelmed when I first saw it. I didn't know where to start, (laughs) you know? Like, it's just like, how do you start? You know, you're just so overwhelmed with the sight of it. You're just like, where do I even begin to photograph something like this? And then you, you, know, you start getting to work and finding the compositions. And-
0: I can't imagine the photography is, is our history. We're so grateful for the photographers of our past who captured images of people and things and places that record the history that put words to life. And you do so much of that now as you look at parts of the world that most of us just get to dream about. So thank you for your advanced work. It's beautiful.
1: Uh, you're very kind. It's a joy to be able to share images with people and have people appreciate them. So,
0: Any last advice that you would like to give to the participants specifically?
1: Yeah, here's a, an, another thing to think about is your lens choice. And you have lens choice even on your, your, your iPhones and your smartphones. A lot of times people opt for going very wide angle with their photographs meaning they'll choose a wide angle over using a telephoto to compose their, you know, their, their composition. But they can be some of the most challenging lenses to use. Telephoto lenses help eliminate distraction from your composition, whereas wide angle lenses tend to open up everything into the composition. And it's very hard to make everything. If you allow everything into your, your composition, it's very hard to get an orderly composition That makes sense, and that's a a really great composition. So I think for if you're a a young photographer, going with a wide-angle lens or a wide-angle view of things can be quite a challenge. So think about looking through a a zoomed-in lens. Because what happens is when you compose an image, you're eliminating distraction. You're telling the viewer, this is important. This part of the scene is important. You're eliminating any kind of outside distractions, and you're creating a composition that it is beautiful to you or surprising, or it tells a story. By reducing distraction, you're, you can clean up your image and make it more interesting and more compelling. So think about lens choice. That, that would be my suggestion.
0: Well, thank you, Jeff Morrison. It's wonderful to hear your advice and to, to understand that we're talking to an expert who has that good eye and gets to judge so many photographs coming in. I understand they're coming in by the hundreds and hundreds, and we're just excited for the students to participate, get to be able to have the opportunity to be viewed with your eye, and uh, the praise and excitement that that will be coming for their work. So thank you for being a part of this.
1: My pleasure. I'm very excited to see what we have coming in this, this round, So thank you for having me here. Thanks for the, the interview. I can't wait to see the images. So bring them on in.
0: Thank you for listening to K-12 On Learning, sponsored by Stride. To learn more about online public schools powered by Stride K-12, Stride Career Prep programs that foster lifelong learning or any of the private school or individual course offerings, please go to stridelearning.com or k12.com. Special thanks to Tree K Studios for providing the music for us. And remember to subscribe to this podcast and feel free to leave us a good review. Until next time, keep on learning.